You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the Voice of Reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Madeline Black, and I'm excited to have her on because She's got a very, very powerful story that I think is very pertinent to a lot of what's going on in the world right now. So we're going to be talking about the power of forgiveness because what most people, I think the way they would have responded to what Madeline experienced would have created something completely different in their reality. I think they're just, and rightly so, right? But Madeline chose to do something different. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to share her story because I want her to share her story. But this is extremely important. She's a she's an author. She's a speaker. She's a psychotherapist, um, and so she gets it at multiple levels. And the power of for- forgiveness that that she's been able to wield, and from what she survived and went through, is just absolutely amazing. So, Madeline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here with you. This is now you are in what part of the world are you in now? I am in sunny Scotland. I'm in Glasgow over across the pond in the UK. That's it. I love this. This is what I love about podcasting is that we can be anywhere in the world and the message is still the message. It doesn't matter where you're at, where you're from. This message in particular is extremely powerful. Um, Madeline, can you share a little bit about your background? And, And I know you've got a book called Unbroken. Mm-hmm. What what was the culmination of that book and the experience that you had? Well, Unbroken really is my memoir. So it tells my own story of being gang raped when I was 13 by two men, two American men. And it really is about my journey of um, surviving it, healing, forgiveness, transformation and hope. Yeah. And how old were you when that happened? I was 13. 13 years old. Folks, yeah. this is, feel that. Can you, can you feel that? And that was a long time ago, right? Yeah, it was. It was over 40 years ago now. <laughs> yeah, but we still carry those with us, right? We still carry those stories, those wounds, those experiences with us. So talk to me a little bit more about your process. How did you rise above it how did you not let it continue to drag you back throughout the years clearly obviously i was very young so the trauma impacted on me in many ways it really had a huge effect on me and i haven't got to the place where i'm at right now overnight you know it's been a process it's taken me a lot to kind of clean up from the trauma is what i call it i don't know something in me just always drove me to clean up to eventually I realized long after I was married and had my kids that if I don't go and deal with this once and for all, it's going to hang over me for the rest of my days. So it's been a combination of many different things of talking therapies or different kind of body therapies, alternative therapies, sport, connecting back in because I had left my body on that night and just 
really, I guess, connecting back to me, who, who I was before all of this happened. You know, the, the essence that I was born with, I realized that they could never touch that. But it, my journey has been really about getting back into my body and retrieving all of my memories because they weren't available to me for a long time. Yeah, it's, um, you know, for those of you that are listening that haven't experienced trauma, who haven't been through something like that, oftentimes when we experience trauma, we separate from, from our body. It's a, it's a we, our mind just disconnects as a way of surviving through the trauma. And so while the body is experiencing it, the mind will separate. It's a, it's a defense mechanism to protect itself. Um, and it, it, if left alone, if not reconnected, it creates all sorts of other wounds out there. Um, and, and I want to dive into that a little bit more because if you've experienced trauma, if you know somebody that's experienced trauma, I, I want to go through some of the stuff that uh, that Madeline went through and the processes that she went through and, and what she just talks about in her memoirs um, right after the break. So stay tuned. Madeline, where can people can go to list, uh, go find more about you and your book? Uh, I have a website, madeleineblack.co.uk, and it has all the links to all my social media platforms and my book as well, Unbroken. Fantastic. We're talking to Madeline, ba uh, Madeline Black and her book, Unbroken and the Power of Forgiveness. If you've, uh, if you've experienced trauma or you know somebody who's experienced trauma, Stay tuned. We'll be right back as we dive into this further. Are you an entrepreneur who speaks at conferences? Have you attended a conference and seen someone on stage you know is guilty of bad business practices? If you want to stand out from the crowd and give your prospective clients peace of mind, then make sure your business is in the clear directory. All of our members operate in transparency and are screened annually for frauds and scams. Stand out from the crowd and get in the clear directory. Visit clearbusinessdirectory.com forward slash join to sign up today. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Madeline Black. and We are Talking about the power of forgiveness, before the break, Madeline shared her story of how she was gang raped by two, uh, two American men uh, at the age of 13 and how during that experience, you know, her mind separated from her body and just focusing on getting back to healing. And when Madeline, like you said, that, that just didn't happen overnight, right? That took years of integration. So, so share with me a little bit more about your, your experience. Uh, how it impacted me or how I recovered from it? Which part do you mean? Both. Let's, let's, let's talk about, I, I honestly, there's so many different implications of how it, how it impacted you. I mean, uh, one, I, I can only imagine, you know, from, uh, you know, trust with, with men and relationships mm -hmm. and sexuality and all of it. Right. I mean, there's, it's, it, it's not just a single act. It, it impacts Absolutely. so many different but areas. It, it, I realize now that I just numbed out that I did anything I could to forget to put it far from my head, but that process, I couldn't find my voice because one of the very last things they said to me was that if I speak about it, then they will kill me. And, you know, I looked into the eyes of one of these guys and I thought yeah, he was actually quite capable of doing that. But it, it leaked out. So I became anorexic. I had suicide attempt. I'd spent two months in a children's psychiatric ward. I used drugs, alcohol to numb out, became promiscuous. I had fears, phobias, anxiety, fear just walked alongside me most of my days. Everything scared me. And I really kind of stopped speaking as well, as well as eating for about three years. 
but uh, my behaviour when I came out of hostel was still awful and my parents decided it would be a good idea to go away and I went to Israel for a year and I met my husband of mm, 37 years now uh, and it was really, I guess, with him that through love, really, that he showed me that I was lovable because my image of myself was that I was worthless, dirty, contaminated, less than, you know, no confidence, no self-belief, no self-worth. But slowly over time, with love, he showed me I was lovable. So I was able to then let love in and give love out, but I could learn to like myself and slowly learn to love myself one day. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's amazing what the mind will create when, when trauma like that happens, because prior to that point, you didn't have those stories, I'd imagine. No. I, I would I would imagine that, you know, you, I mean, you were a typical 13-year-old girl, I would imagine, and, and, and those stories don't just happen unless something traumatic like this occurs. Yeah, I was a naive, shy 13-year-old girl, really, who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's really all it was. Yeah. In 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 your journey of this, and I, I, I've, my wife has a very similar story. Um, she was raped once when she was sixteen, and she was raped again as as a, this time, though much older, thirty two years old, a federal agent, and could have killed the person that had raped her, but was on a national security mission and put that first. And you know, she wrote a book about it as well. Um, and her own healing journey. And I, it's, you know, for me as, as a guy, it, it's one of those I can hardly imagine, right? I it just, it's, un, one, it's unfathomable in, in my mindset. I think it's, it takes somebody that is extremely broken to force themselves upon, Absolutely. right? And that's uh, force what I, I understood yeah. many, many years later. And actually it was interesting. It was only in the writing of my book that I realized there was three more times before the age of 18 I, I just thought I had a lot of bad sex because I was so promiscuous, but then I kind of invited it in because people knew my reputation. But I was coming from a very broken place as well. But when I wrote my book, I thought, you know, I said no, and they said yes, and they just carried on. And those are the chapters that so many people say to me, well, that's happened to me. I said, but was there consent? And they said no. I said, well, that was rape as well. And we just, yeah. you know, we just undermine things and we minimize things we never really call it what it is because we're not supported by society as well yeah no and it's um you know for so long it's always been this um there's been this stigma around it that you know the woman must have done something or you know brought it upon themselves and it's such a for lack of better words caveman mentality that that we have around this 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 topic and um, and we have to recognize that it happens more frequently than, than not. Right. I mean, it, it, we like to like, we don't like to talk about it. Right. People make jokes about it, all that kind of stuff. And it just, it, it's, un, it's an uncomfortable topic. And on the other side of it, there's, there's lessons for us to, to share. And, and that's why I love the fact that you were able to write a book about your memoirs and be able to share that with folks. What in, in that process, at what point in time, is there some point in time in your journey with that experience that you can actually look back? I know you said it was like you, meeting your husband was essential, but 
was there a moment in time that it just kind of clicked or did it just kind of gradually come into a new understanding well, of what it was? There's been moments. I don't know if it was one particular moment. But when, when I met Stephen, you know, I told him I would never become a mum because I thought giving birth was going to be like being raped again and I was terrified. So I thought it would just be easier not to bother. And we got married and he was fine about that. And about three years into our marriage, we would take... Um, all our annual leave and travel every winter. We'd go somewhere nice and warm because I live in Scotland, so we need some sunshine. And we were in Thailand, and he just kind of wondered out loud, you know, how about starting a family? And I was ready to tell him, no, you know why I can't do that. But in that moment, something came into me, and I just thought, if I don't ever become a mum, then they've won. I am handing all my power and control over to them, and they've got no idea. So it was in that moment that I came up with this plan that I really called my best revenge, that I was going to live my life as best as I could. I was going to become a mum, which I have three gorgeous girls, and I just refused to be identified by what had happened to me. And I, and I thought for a long time that that was it. You know, I had my girls and I thought motherhood had healed me. But we can convince ourselves of anything. You know, I, I wore a mask for a long time and uh, I still had fear. It walked alongside me, but I was a bit like a swan. You know, I looked very in control up above, but underneath the water, my feet are just paddling like crazy. Um, so it's always been in layers. And I think the final piece really, I guess, was the forgiveness, which took me completely by surprise. I, I guess I call myself an accidental forgiver. Well, let, let's talk about that because it's, you know, when, when people say forgiveness, they're, you know, it's automatically like we think it's just forgiveness of uh, of the people that did something to us, right? And I love the fact that you highlight that you you, you recognize that you don't, you, you decided that you weren't going to identify with that story. That's not who you were, right? And that was an active decision. Well, I told myself that, but it was still hanging over me. It was still influencing my life, you know, oh, the absolutely. Way I, where I was responding from. But yeah, that was my intention at that time. So when you when you talk forgiveness, what levels of forgiveness? I mean, is it just forgiving the the, the attackers? Was it forgiving yourself? Was it? Oh, many many oh. layers. So um, Anna, my eldest daughter, turned thirteen. I was studying psychotherapy and I was doing loads and loads of personal development and all of a sudden, all these memories returned, all these nightmares, pictures, images. And it was awful. And I thought if it was that bad, I would remember it. But now I understand our mind shuts it down. So it comes back when it believes you're ready to face it, whether I believe that or not. So I was the worst kind of client. I went to therapy and I said, listen, I want you to take these pictures away. I don't want to see them anymore. Because I thought if I told anyone what I saw that they would be disgusted, you know, they would look at me differently as if this was a reflection of me. Now I understand that was my trauma and my shame speaking to me. So we worked it and worked it for three years with this therapist. And actually the pictures in the end weren't the worst part. The worst part was my denial. I was interrupting my therapy with it, but I was also just, I just couldn't accept that this had happened to me. And I saw very near to the end that I had the capability of driving my mind crazy. And that this was worse than the pictures because if I didn't stop, I would just, just refuse to believe it over and over I was going crazy. So I had to get to a point where I went, okay, you know, 
they didn't kill me. They did try, but obviously I survived. And I, I don't believe I am my body. I don't believe I am the things that were done to me. That took me a long time to get to there. And it was very near to the end of the sessions that Ron, my therapist, turned to me and said, you know, maybe they weren't born rapists. And I could not believe that he could say something so outrageous because I was filled with hate and revenge and I plotted all these fantasies that somebody would kidnap them and rape them for five hours on end, you know, like they had done to me. But he really put this idea in my mind and I wanted to just understand how could two young men who weren't really much older than me know to be so violent. And I... I do believe we're all born equal, but we get conditioned by life. And I and somehow, I don't know how, but I started to feel compassionate because I thought, you know, I've done a really good job at living my life as best as I can, but they have to live with what they did to another human. And I, I don't think that's easy. And I realized, you know, when they were dehumanizing me, they were really only dehumanizing themselves, that they weren't connected to their core, their goodness, their horror, their essence, whatever you want to call it, that we're all born with. And I know they could never touch that part of me. And somehow I saw that if I choose to forgive them, I could just cut all the chains that tied me to them and all the chains that stopped me from growing and I could set myself free. So it was... I like to think of the word as for giving me a better chance. You know, I didn't need to have a meeting with them. I didn't need to sit down face to face and for them to apologize or get justice. I could make that decision quietly in my heart. And it really was about understanding the human predicament, seeing their humanity. And it was just connecting with all of that. And it was a choice. It was really I guess self-empowering and, and self-love, but really not a lot to do with them. It was a personal choice. And I'm not really a forgiveness preacher. I don't tell people, you know, the only way to heal is to forgive. This was how I chose to do it. And it, it really did allow me just to accept it all and to finally stop my fight with denial and just put down my weapons. And it was it's a lot more peaceful this way. It's a lot easier. Yeah, it's um, you know, in in faith-based conversations, it's the concept of grace. Yeah. And I love the fact that you highlight that you chose yeah. not to carry that forward and to set it down and to no longer identify with that. How much would you equate to, um, I mean, it just, the, the, the journey itself is full of courage, but how much courage did it take for you to actually step back into a relationship now with your husband, you know, and, and seek that? Did, was it scary? Was it, was it like, a, oh, is this going to turn into something? What were the stories? How much courage did it take for you to step back into that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's very easy to be angry all the time and to be full of rage. It's so much easier. But as a therapist, I also see that underneath all our anger, it's, it's just hurt and disappointment. So it takes a lot of courage because every week when I went for therapy, I knew exactly what I was going to face and I dreaded going and it impacted on me physically as well as emotionally. I 
threw up in the sessions. I was shaking. I was crying. I was a wreck for about three, four days. I'd recover. And then it was time for my next appointment. And I did that for three years. And it was like, I couldn't sleep. I avoided sleeping because I thought if I go to sleep, I'll have nightmares. And I was a mum with three little girls and working. So that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> but yeah, it had a huge impact. And I'd come home and he would just look at my face after therapy. And he, he didn't say much. He just would hold me. Um, and and it, it just came out in all ways you know when we were being intimate at the end I would just always start to cry and cry and cry and I went now why would you come into me now at this moment in my life when I'm with this man I don't want to see you now or feel this but I guess it, it was just a release in that moment it's all that energy I guess is held down there so yeah I really had to work it a lot through my body I guess really to integrate it all yeah, I, I can only imagine, you know, it's, um, you know, we, it, it's very similar to what we see in PS, PTSD, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've experienced mild cases of PTSD myself from just a little bit of time that I did over in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh-huh. and, and by all means, not comparing the two, but it, it is, there is a detachment piece, you know, I still find myself, you know, loud, sudden noises startle me from time to time. Yep. And, you know, I, I understand what it is, but there was a point in time in my life that, you know, I didn't and it always shook me and it set the rest of my day or the rest of my week or the rest of my month on, on a trajectory. And um, because that was before you know, it, your awareness and you were getting triggered then. So you couldn't do anything because you were caught in, in the trigger. Exactly. So so talk to me a little bit more about what practices or what methods you use to reconnect yourself, your awareness to your body? How, how did, what, what did that look like for you? When I was having therapy, Ron could see my struggle with denial. And he said, no, you know, maybe it would be good for you to try some therapeutic massage, some body work. And I said, okay. So I went along and I lay on the massage couch and I started to scream and shout and cry and kick and fight with a therapist. And I was so embarrassed. You know, I'm a, a retired shire, you know, English woman. We don't make a fuss or make a noise, but actually as, as mortified as I was, I thought I couldn't trust my mind at that point because, you know, what is our mind? We can't cut it open. It, it doesn't bleed. You know, it's, I couldn't trust my mind. I felt so unsafe with my mind, but I had to trust my body. I could not make it respond in that way on purpose. So that then sent me on this journey of trying loads of different therapies. So apart from the therapeutic massage, I've had uh, cranial sacral therapy. I've done about 50 sweat lodges. I've taken plant medicine, San Pedro. It wasn't quite brave enough for ayahuasca, but I took San Pedro, quite a few retreats. I've walked on fire. I've done transformational breath work. Uh, loads of things to connect back in. And also then I've used my own sports. So I, I ran for years until I realized when I was running, I was running on empty. So I, I do martial arts. I went to karate when I was 41, a few years ago. Uh, I'm a windsurfer. I, I lift weights. And you can't do any of those things unless you're connected into your body. You know, I can't deadlift twice my body weight if I'm not in my heels or my legs or my core or my arms. You've got to be connected in. So that really helped me. And because I've done so many uh, personal development courses as well, I can see now when I leave or when I go out or when I get affected or I didn't realize for years that I was living with PTSD that was undiagnosed because 
everything startled me, everything scared me. But once I saw my fears, I also then set myself on this journey because I saw that my fears weren't real. I saw that fear was um, false evidence appearing real, which I did for years, or I thought about fear as face everything and rise. So I thought, you know, I've done the first one for years, I want to do the second one. So I actively, once I saw that, I put myself into situations which normally would scare me. So normally, anything to do with being out of control or being near men, those were my two major fears in life, because I started to see my fears were based on my imagination. Everything I was scared of was based on what had already happened to me or based on my imagination of what could happen. And if I really looked at that moment right here, right now, I was okay. So that helped as well to really challenge my mind and my fears, and which is why I ended up with an American male therapist because I was busy challenging myself, you know, so... Yeah, it's not for the luck faint-hearted. I've done some some hard stuff, but it's something, as I said, always drove me just to clean up. I knew that I could improve and improve like a diamond starts off as a lump of coal. We can just polish it and polish it and polish it. So something just drove me to clean up, clean up all the trauma, which I'm pleased. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, folks, for those of you that have experienced trauma and uh, maybe working through something yourself. I encourage you to, to reach out to Madeline, get a copy of her memoirs. Um, this this is important stuff here because it, it is an active choice. We have to be able to learn how our minds create future stories based off of past activities and recognize that that fear that's generated is, is lying to us. And that, yes, something bad may have happened, but it doesn't mean it's happening now. It doesn't mean it's happening again. And without work, without, you know, clearing it from the body. I love the fact that you said, that, you know, you're doing sports, you're doing activities, you're doing martial arts, you're doing all these things. It's almost as if you were releasing it energetically from your body. The memory that it obtained, it was just every activity that you do was building, yeah, building, I, up, I building saw, up cellular confidence. Yeah, I saw how I responded in the therapeutic massage, how it's held in our cells, how it is held in our body. And when we get triggered, we feel it so physically. It can be a smell, it can be a sound, it can be a building, but we feel sick, we get nervous, our heart can race. You know, we, we feel it in our body. And trauma doesn't come back as a memory, it comes back as a feeling. You know, we feel it because it is still caught there. So I had to work it physically and emotionally to integrate it so that I could become lined up again, grounded, connected. Otherwise, I was always going to be mismatched inside. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that it's hard to see when you're inside the box. Yes. You know, when you're inside the box, sometimes all you, that's all you can see is the walls and there has to be a desire to step out of it. Like you said, you lived the acronym of fear this way and you made the active choice to, to live it the other way. Um, and it does take courage and, and you're, you have an amazing story. You, you survived something absolutely horrific at a very young age and you've, you know, you, you, you've gone on to, to do a thing or two and to have a family and to be loved and to be in an amazing relationship, all those things, you know, and to me, that is, you know, that, that is uh, that beacon, you know, you get to serve as that now for others to say, Hey, look, you're not alone. 
I've been through it and, and, and give people hope that have been through something like that. Now, this is, um, I can talk about these kinds of things for all days. There's all sorts of different rabbit holes we can go down. Where can, where can um, people go find more information about you? Sure. So I have a website, madelineblack.co.uk, and it's actually just recently updated by my fabulous web designer. So I have details of all my other social media platforms there. I'm kind of all over the place. Fantastic. Folks, if you've experienced trauma, if you just recently, in the past, doesn't matter if you still are carrying it with you, I encourage you to reach out, get a copy of Madeline's memoirs, and see what synergy is there to see what can over help you overcome and move out of your fear and into a life where you start living. The power of forgiveness is huge at all different levels, not just in forgiving the attacker, the situation, but everything that you created from it as well. It's super, super powerful. Madeline, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Folks, until next time, go out there, share this message with somebody that you know that's been through trauma, that's experienced trauma, and share it with them and have them reach out to Madeline. This is good stuff. Go out there. Until next time, incorporate your superpowers and change the world. Take care. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.